The Portland Insight Meditation Center is located in Southeast Portland, Oregon. Robert Beatty has been the guiding teacher there since 1978. For more information and to access many more teachings available online, please visit portlandinsight.org. Good morning, dear friends. It's Sunday morning. Somehow getting the date right is important. Where is it here? It's the 7th of June. I'm uh, glad, glad to have you with me as we do this morning of practice. I have a short poem I'd like to begin with. Morris L. West. Perhaps it's not a poem, it's just a statement. It costs so much to be a full human being that there are very few who have the enlightenment or the courage to pay the price. One has to abandon altogether the search for security and reach out to the risk of living with both arms. One has to embrace the world like a lover and yet demand no easy return of love. One has to count doubt and darkness as the cost of existence. One needs a will stubborn in conflict, but apt always to the total acceptance of living and dying. It costs so much to be a full human being that there are very few who have the enlightenment or the courage to pay the price. One has to abandon altogether the search for security and reach out to the risk of living with both arms. One has to embrace the world like a lover and yet demand no easy return of love. One has to count doubt and darkness as the cost of existence. One needs a will stubborn in conflict, but apt always to the total acceptance of living and dying. Let us follow the ancient path. The path of being really present here. Present exactly here with exactly what's here. With this body which is alive. Notice where the body makes contact with the chair or the cushion or the floor.
there's nothing to think about. There's nothing to analyze. There's just awareness and life. We can embrace the life that is in the fingers and hands. The life which we call face, cheeks, lips, And there is our beloved old friend, the breath. Beyond our earliest memories of selfness, there was breathing. From that first moment when your mother could no longer breathe for you and you took that gasping, life-giving breath, Until now, that cycle of breathing in and breathing out has never been interrupted for very long. And this in-breathing and out-breathing connects us with all of life. It wouldn't be an exaggeration to say that the breath is our communion with life. When we eat, we take in the body of the living earth, our greater body. And when we breathe, 
we are graced with the, the gift from the green creatures of oxygen. And we live in complete symbiotic interdependence. So why not invest great energy, great patience, great attention in the fact of in-breathing and out-breathing? Of course, there may well be thoughts, memories, obsessions. There may well be some intensity of mood These are not distractions, nor are they a mistake. They are integral parts of our essential humanity. Even Anger, hatred, jealousy, anguish, hopelessness. We make room for them all because that's what love is. Hearing, body sensations. home to breathing.
home to the preciousness of this moment. Time and again, awakening to the wandering mind. And becoming more intimate all the time with the actual sensations of breathing in and breathing out.
it's useful in our practice to notice when mindfulness is present and when it's not. When it's not, the mind is free to do whatever it wants on the basis of prior conditioning. And we can notice the birth of mindfulness again and again and again and again. When the mind wanders and we fall into some trance state or another, perhaps into desire or disliking or restlessness, agitation, worry, or sleepy dullness, sloth and torpor, or doubt, into rehashing old conversations or planning, worrying, and then the miraculous happens where awareness springs into being. Notice this happening, this spontaneous waking up and then embracing the breath as your primary training object with more love and compassion and friendliness, gratitude all the time.
Each breath has a beginning. It has a rising to fullness, a decline and then a vanishing. With these characteristics, it is identical to every other phenomenon that has occurred this side of the Great Flash or the Big Bang. We are participating in the Genesis moment all the time. It's now. The teachings say, get as close to the breath as you possibly can. Meet it with bare attention, awareness and the sensations. No cognition, no thinking process is necessary at all.
we can also become aware of the posture of the body. Not only does it breathe, but it's shaped a certain way, sitting. The sitting later becomes standing or walking or lying down or driving or all the different shapes. We could say all these changes of shape exist within awareness. Awareness co-arises with them. We could include temperature, the fire element. Where is their warmth right now, relative warmth? Where is their coolness? And always, as long as we live, there's breathing. Thank you. 
we allow ourselves to soften. We allow the muscles of the forehead to relax, the muscles of the gut to relax. The more we are engaged in survival actions, fight, flight, freeze, the less we are able to soften into our true great nature. So please let us take our formal meditation time as a true vacation. To vacate the trouble to create the, not the trouble, the effort, the ongoing effort to create something stable which doesn't exist. Instead, we rest back into the truth of impermanence And it is in this place of great ease that we can turn our heart-mind toward each other. Dropped out of thinking, dropped out of fight-flight. And to recognize our natural interbeing. Perhaps you've had the blessing sometime in your life to hold an infant and to look into her or his eyes with nowhere to get to, with no rush. To feel your breathing merge Or maybe you've curled up with a cat or a dog or maybe another adult human. And you allowed yourself to feel safe and at one. This is the great metta. It's not something we do, it is something we are. What we do is create concepts and separateness, but as soon as we stop doing our natural state is there. It's what's left when all the doing is stopped. when we encounter suffering in the state of love, the heart's natural trembling when faced with suffering, compassion arises.
And so we do what we can to stop doing. We do create the conditions to stop and be here. And I invite you now to sit comfortably and rest back and let these words flow over and through you and through your heart. It's a reading from Clarissa Pinkola Estes. My friends, do not lose heart. We have been made for these times. We have heard, I have heard from so many recently who are deeply and properly bewildered. They are concerned about the state of affairs in our world right now. Ours is a time of almost daily astonishment and often righteous rage over the latest degradation of what matters most to civilized visionary people. You are right in your assessments. The luster and hubris some have aspired to while endorsing acts so heinous against children, elders, everyday people, the poor, the unguarded, the helpless, is breathtaking. Yet I urge you, ask you, gentle you, to please not spend your spirit dry by bewailing these difficult times. Especially do not lose hope, particularly because the fact is that we were made for these times. Yes, for years we have been learning, practicing, being in training for, and just waiting to meet this exact plane of engagement. I grew up on the Great Lakes and recognize a seaworthy vessel when I see one. Regarding awakened souls, there have never been more able vessels in the waters than there are right now across the world. And they are fully provisioned and able to signal one another as never before in the history of humankind. Look out over the prow, there are millions of boats of righteous souls on the waters with you. Even though your veneers may shiver from every wave in this stormy royal, I assure you that the long timbers composing your prow and rudder come from a greater forest. That long grained lumber is known to withstand storms, to hold together, to hold its own and to advance regardless. In any dark time, there is a tendency to veer toward fainting over how much is wrong or unmended in the world. Do not focus on that. There is a tendency too to fall into being weakened by dwelling on what is outside your reach, by what cannot yet be. Do not focus there. That is spending the wind without raising the sails. We are needed, that is all we can know. And though we meet resistance, we will so 
we more so will meet great souls who will hail us, love us and guide us, and we will know them when they appear. Didn't you say you were a believer? Didn't you say you pledged to listen to a voice greater? Didn't you ask for grace? Don't you remember that to be in grace means to submit to the voice greater? Ours is not the task of fixing the entire world all at once, but of stretching out to mend the part of the world that is within our reach. Any small, calm thing that one soul can do to help another, to assist some portion of this poor suffering world, will help immensely. It is not given to us to know which acts or by whom will cause the critical mass to tip toward an enduring good. What is needed for dramatic change is an accumulation of acts, adding, adding to, adding more, continuing. We know that it does not take everyone on earth to bring justice and peace, but only a small determined group who will not give up during the first, second, or hundredth gale. One of the most calming and powerful actions you can do to intervene in a stormy world is to stand up and show your light. Soul on deck shines like gold in dark times. The light of the soul throws sparks, can send up flares, build signal fires, causes proper matters to catch fire. To display the lantern of soul in shadowy times like these, to be fierce and to show mercy towards others, both are acts of immense bravery and greatest necessity. Struggling souls catch light from other souls who are fully lit and willing to show it. If you would help to calm the tumult, this is one of the strongest things you can do. There will always be times when you feel discouraged. I too have felt despair many times in my life, but I do not keep a chair for it. I will not entertain it. It is not allowed to eat from my plate. The reason is this. In my utmost bones, I know something as do you. It is that there can be no despair when you remember why you came to earth, who you serve and who sent you here. The good words we say and the good we words we do are not ours. They are the words and deeds of the one who brought us here. In that spirit, I hope you will write this on your wall. When a great ship is har in harbor and moored, it is safe. There can be no doubt. But that is not what great ships are built for. Hmm. When a great ship is in harbor and moored, it is safe. There can be no doubt. But that is not what great ships are built for. This comes with much love and a prayer that you remember who you came from and why you came to this beautiful needful earth. Clarissa Pinkoleestis. Sitting, breathing, hearing. Softening. Letting go of fight-flight. Resting in our true great nature. 
about which we have nothing to do except realize. And we realize that through not doing, simply through being awake. And please now notice the aliveness of your body. Allow awareness to come into what you think of as your face. Notice the eyes. Notice the cheeks. Do what it takes to roll your eyes around in their beautiful lubricated sockets for a moment. And then notice the intention to let the eyes open. And then let them open. And observe the miracle of seeing. Seeing. Who is it that sees or is it just seeing? Just seeing, notice the objects. What if it's true that all the sense doors, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, the feeling body and mind, they all are experienced in the same place which is awareness, which has no location. It's just what is. The Tibetans call this the magical, that the world is a magical display in consciousness. I have a couple of announcements I'd like to make now which you can find on your chat screen. There is a link which you can use to get the Zoom link for next Sunday's broadcast for this and also for the every weekday broadcast. Though I have decided I'm going to take Saturdays not broadcasting and uh, so it's weekdays at seven o'clock and Sundays at 10. In addition, you'll find a link there, which will allow you to practice generosity toward the Portland Insight Meditation community. 
to do that exquisite practice which has to do with recognizing that I have enough and that that I can I can have the exquisite experience of relinquishing some clinging and <laughs> and uh, let go in generosity. <laughs> I'm laughing because I saw a sweet good morning kiss happen. <laughs> a sneaking up from behind. Very sweet. <laughs> Very nice. All righty. <clears throat> we are living through some moments of profound turmoil here in the United States. United States, my adopted country. I was born and lived for 21 years in Montreal. And then I signed on to a ship and went to Australia through Southeast Asia, Japan. I was there for about a year, worked as a cowboy, a jackaroo in the outback and taught school, and fell in love with the place. Then I lived in New Zealand for three months, fell in love there too. Worked on ships to, or a ship to Europe, lived in Switzerland for two years, became very identified with the Ursental, the valley, Bear Valley in Central Schweiz, Swiss German. I was a ski patrolman. And then I went with my girlfriend overland from Switzerland to Italy to Yugoslavia, what was then Yugoslavia, to Greece, to Iran, to Turkey, to Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and then India, and Nepal, and Sri Lanka. And then came back after about a year and went to graduate school in Toronto with a master's in environmental studies. And I had been shocked actually in my travels of how bad the environmental circumstance was around the world. It was 1971. And anyway, I grew to love the places that I lived and I could see how people really identified with them. And then I found myself here in the United States. I went to a retreat and stayed in California for five years. And then ultimately I became an, an American. I just have dual citizenship. And I've always really valued and admired the experiment that is the United States. It really is my home. And it really is an experiment. We the people and 
we have to we have to somehow or another find a way to govern ourselves it's essential and it's always been a struggle and over the last 400 years part of the struggle has been this catastrophe really of racism and the ongoing structural racism and brutality and so on toward our african-american brothers and sisters and friends. So I want to play a song for you that I did yesterday also this, I played the same song at the retreat yesterday. It's a song that can be, can bear being heard a few times, I think. And I'm going to put a picture up while it plays uh, that my friend Donald McEachern on friend and teaching colleague on Quadra Island took recently. So I'm going to see if I can pull that off in terms of the technology, share computer sound, take this picture, play, and then I need to find the music place. And I invite you just hear this sound, hear this song, see what it does, and then there will be more to come when it's done. I believe it's an important song. It's by the Avett brothers. I grew up with reverence for the red, white, and blue Spoke of God and liberty reciting the Pledge of Allegiance Learned love of country from my own family Some shivered and prayed approaching the beaches of Normandy The flag waves high and that's how it should be So many lives given and taken in the name of freedom the story's complicated and hard to read pages of the book obscured or torn out completely i am a son of uncle sam and i struggle to understand the good and evil but i'm doing the best i can in a place built on stolen land with stolen people blood in the soil with cotton and tobacco blood in the soil with the cotton and tobacco blood in the soil with the cotton and tobacco a misnamed people in a kidnapped race Laws may change, but we can't erase the scars of a nation Of children devalued and disavowed Displaced by greed and the arrogance of manifest destiny Short-sighted to say it was a long time ago Not even two lifetimes have passed since the days of Lincoln sins of Andrew Jackson, the shame of Jim Crow, 
And time moves slow and the tragedies are beyond description. I am a son of Uncle Sam And I struggle to understand the good and evil But I'm doing the best I can In a place built on stolen land With stolen people We are more than the sum of our parts these broken homes and broken hearts God will you keep us wherever we go will you forgive us for where we've been we Americans blood on the table with the coffee and the sugar Blood on the table with the coffee and the sugar. Blood on the table with the coffee and the sugar. I've been to every state and seen shore to shore the still open wounds of the Civil War. Watched blind hatred bounce back and forth, seen vile prejudice both in the South and the North. Accountability is hard to impose on ghosts of ancestors haunting the halls of our conscience. But the path of grace and goodwill is still here for those of us who may be considered among the living. I am a son of God and man, and I may
we're living at a moment of great awakening, I think. The potentials are remarkable. The entrenched ignorance that has allowed systemic racism and police brutality and all of these atrocities um, to go on has been, it's, it's like the denial is broken again. And so how do we integrate our practice into that? How do we integrate this into our lives? And among the teachers, we've been each, several of us been writing, how, how do we want to articulate our position on this? And, and um, this is where it's come to at the moment. And here it is. This is the, uh, it's a bit long, but 400 years is a long time. And I hope you'll just, just see how this fits for you. As Dharma teachers, we are distressed and deeply saddened by the killings of African-Americans by police. Our hearts are broken open at this time of great pain and suffering. We bear witness to the murder of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and feel the anguish of the racial inequalities and the frequent failure of the courts to bring justice to these cases. Most grievous is that these tragic events are not isolated incidents. They are part of a systemic injustice in the United States that is rooted in centuries of slavery and segregation and manifested in continued economic and social exclusion, inferior education, mass incarceration, and ongoing violence against American, African Americans. The Buddhist teachings are grounded in a clear recognition of suffering an ethical commitment to non-harming and an understanding of interdependence. We can't separate our personal healing and transformation from that of our larger society. This work is actually about mutual liberation, what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. called an inescapable network of mutuality. Those of us who happen to be white are caught in the same net of interdependence as black lives that are oppressed and murdered by racism. We experience a different side of the equation, but our humanity is greatly diminished by this dis-ease of racism and white supremacy. That's why it's imperative for us to look at it, call it out, see it in ourselves and in the world we live in and find ways to heal from it collectively. It's not about guilt, it's about healing and freedom and love. The historic and continued suffering of people of color in this country, of African-Americans, Native Americans, Latinos, Asian Americans, and others is our collective suffering. The harm caused daily is our collective responsibility. Once we see this suffering, our freedom unfolds as we respond with a wise and compassionate heart. In 1970, Wendell Berry wrote an essay called The Hidden Wound. In it, he said, 
Racism involves an emotional dynamic that has disordered the heart, both of the society as a whole and every person in the society. I want to know as fully and exactly as I can what the wound is and how much I am suffering from it. And I want to be cured. I want to be free of the wound myself. And I do not want to pass it on to my children. Dear friends, our journey of healing together is to explore this wound with compassionate presence. Our PIMC mission statement says, we understand the spiritual journey to be one of awakening in the world rather than escape or transcendence from life. Our intention is to empower people to live with impeccable integrity, the willingness to truly be themselves, and the capacity to act powerfully with compassion in the world. The core values that guide us are kindness and non-harming, love, generosity, mindfulness, and wisdom as we create authentic, non-judgmental, inclusive, and respectful community relationships. Our collective aspiration is to become a truly inclusive and beloved community. In this process, we are committed to honesty and bravely uncovering the ways we create separation and unintentionally replicate, replicate patterns of inequity and harm. In the same spirit, we are committed to engaging with other faith and social justice groups in support of undoing racism throughout the society. Right now, we believe there is an immediacy and urgency in focusing our attentions and efforts on the pervasive and ongoing violence done to people of color in our country. We're inspired, inspired and by the courage and leadership of the Black Lives Matter movement and walk in solidarity with them. As Buddhists, we see the timeliness of adding our voices to theirs, knowing it will take a dedicated focus to recognize how the hidden biases and assumptions of our society deprive, deprive people of color of their basic rights to justice, opportunity, and human dignity. In response to tragedy, grief, and anger, we see the seeds of profound possibilities for healing the wounds of separation and building communities based on respect and love. Since their inception, Buddhist teachings and practices have been explicitly devoted to liberation. In his time, the Buddha was a revolutionary voice against racism and the caste system. Quote, not by caste, race, or creed, or birth is one noble, but by heart alone is one a noble being. The Buddhist teachings in mindfulness, wisdom, and compassion create the grounds for wise speech and wise action. These teachings and practices free our hearts from greed, prejudice, and hate, and serve an essential role in societal healing and in the awakening of all. To help us as individuals and, a com and as a community to awaken in these realities, we're initiating a P at PIMC a new racial justice initiative, which you'll be hearing more about. Finding, there we are. I've been struggling to know what to do in these times. I've been Dismayed, I guess, at, at, is a mild word for it, at what appears to be 
more widespread than I believed uh, of a culture of violence in our police forces. Um, it's not just a few bad apples. It's a culture of a willingness to be violent. And sadly, it's not that we have a lack of leadership from the White House. It's that we have leadership, which is seven years old, maybe, and self-centered and prone to violence. So we've reached quite a moment. I'm very touched that the, the, um, the, the curfews are ending and the protests are growing, the size of them. And also the violence in the protests is diminishing. This is, these are the, the, what I believe to be the, the ingredients of what's necessary for true social change. And what does it mean for me or us as a spiritual community? The only piece I feel really comfortable speaking about is that of encourage, encouraging us to comfort our own hearts, to really take the time to go inward and do our spiritual practice to devote at least an hour a day to softening, to moving out of fight flight. I remembered this morning during the meditation, there's a quote from Carlos Castaneda, one of his books, Don Juan says, the earth, my mother is so great. There's no way I can embrace her. The only thing I can do is dissolve myself inside her. And so I've watched in myself in the last couple of weeks, I got pretty wound up and my usual capacity of dissolving uh, got, got kind of complicated. And uh, that's exhausting to me, to, to not be able to relax completely in the beauty of the earth, in the beauty of this moment, and to be ca caught up in what shall I do, uh, this kind of thing. Uh, it, it's, not my, it's not my wisest, most loving, or um, capable place. So <clears throat> that's the one guidance I have. And then from there that any action we take, whether it's going to marches, whether it's writing letters, whether it's calling government offices, that we root them in love. That's a very strong value of mine. And uh, a few years ago, I was very into doing phone calls and I, I forget even what the issue was, probably some environmental issue. And um, 
I called some office and the, I got a, a little bit of a sense from the person on the other end that they were oppositional and I became rather ugly with them. And then when I hung up, it just felt crappy because I had been the problem. I suddenly became the problem. I wasn't, I wasn't modeling what I believe in and uh, there was no way to go back and apologize or build the bridge. But um, our every interaction is of the utmost importance. So I'd like to pause in my speaking. I don't have much more to say. And um, I'd like to open it up for your experiences and your sharing and um, how is it today for you? And how is your practice serving you? And if you have questions, I would do my best to fabricate a response. <laughs> So I open it up to you now. Just unmute yourself if you wish to speak and hopefully it will work. And hooray to the YouTube people. It seems to be working. It did screw up there for a little bit at the beginning, but it looks pretty solid. Ah. Robert, Joan. Hello, Joan. I have a question. I think everything you're doing and everything you're suggesting is wonderful. But have we thought about reaching out as a community, as a Buddhist community, to the black community here in Portland? I think that's, that's in the idea bin and haven't known how to do it. But I th thank you for that, and I think it's a great idea. Thank you. About three years ago, I, I visited New Orleans and, and went to, uh, to tour the Whitney Plantation, which is a monument, uh, a museum to the dark side of slavery. And after that, I, I, I got very involved in reading for a while. And, um, and then I sort of went back to sleep. I didn't, I didn't really know how to proceed. And I think how to proceed is becoming clearer. And there's also some, some uh, energy in the community. Tiffany Baker is going to be coordinating our social justice movement. And there's lots of, uh, stay tuned on the listserv for things that are coming up, including a reading group, a study group on the uh, me and uh, white supremacy is the book, I think. Robert? Cricket. Hi there, Cricket. A couple of years ago, and perhaps during the period that you were referring to when you were reading, um, I remember you did a Dharma talk where you spoke about some of the um, racial slant of laws in this country um, <laughs> and, and mentioned several things that, that really through me. And since then, I've, I guess, been more alert to, to picking up on those things when I hear about them. Mm -hmm. And, and I think as, as a privileged white person, um, I really had no idea 
uh, about how racist some of our laws were and about the actual intent of them. Mm -hmm. I've heard people talk about the war on drugs and that its intent was really to imprison black fathers. Um, whether or not that's correct, I don't know. But is that something, I guess that's something I would like to be more familiar with. And I think that as a white community, primarily, that it would be good for us to be more aware of those things that have happened and in some cases are still happening in our country mm -hmm. and that we are accepting them because we don't realize the true intent of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh-oh. Uh, it's froze for a second. I think you're back. Though I have no sound. I don't know. I just feel you're like... Back. Yeah, I just feel like we should be more aware of mm -hmm. the intent behind some of the laws in our country so that we can, I guess, be more knowledgeable and more accepting of maybe our part in them reluctantly or innocently in its own way, but still more aware. I absolutely support that idea and uh, more will come. <laughs> Doug Odell just put a notice up on the on the chat at 10 a.m. next Saturday. Betsy 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 Toll and uh, uh, what was it? I've lost it now. Buddhist Peace Fellowship are doing a two-hour event, and oh, it's a sit at Laurelhurst Park. Buddhist Peace Fellowship and Living Earth are sponsoring a sit at Laurelhurst Park. And the intention of that, according to Betsy, was for those people who have not felt okay about going to the big marches, that this will be a quiet sitting and so good social distancing and a way to express one's solidarity. This is Wally. Hi, Wally. Hi. Um, almost 50 years ago, I was with a friend and we were doing a lot of uh, work with uh, the Hopis and the Navajos, driving them around the reservations to get them to meet uh, regarding the Black Mason mine. And um, finally, as we were leaving, we were asking what else they, you know, asking uh, Thomas Benyakia what he, else he needed from uh, uh, from us, and Thomas said, um, change your own people, help your mm. own people. Mm. And I thought maybe that meant, I was struggling as you talk about struggling about this, you know, was this to, to tell the story about the Hopi to the people um, that I knew and put set forward. But I really think what, and I've been reading the uh, Me and White Supremacy, and I think the real answer is awakening to the words, attitudes, behaviors, and the actions that we take that contribute to oppression of people of color. 
And I think there's, a, as we've talked about, Cricket talked about the laws and you've talked about this as well. I think this is a lot of this in our society. And I think it behooves us as people trying to awaken that we look at this as a step in the process of awakening. Hmm. Thank you, Wally. And it's a nice picture of the Buddha with the bleeding hearts. But I, I, gorgeous. Yes, yeah, so I got that hollyhock mm. sitting with you one many years, a few years ago. Mm -hmm. <coughs> mm. Hello, Robert. This is John. Hi, John. I hesitate to bring this up, but I'm going to. One of the things that I'm struggling with is the conflict between uh, the absolute necessity of removing the current president in the next election and being able to support the candidate that. Uh, is being put forth to unseating um, when the previous one of the previous people who spoke talked about the uh, the laws and uh, how they contributed to our having the largest prison population in the world and the disproportionate numbers of black and Hispanic people. Mm -hmm. Biden was uh, one of the main supporters and architects of the mandatory sentencing laws back in the 80s in the crack cocaine era. And um, there's so many other things like that. I, I guess I need to sp spend some time just researching it for myself and not maybe obsess about it. But uh, if you have any, any, anything to offer in the way of how to approach that, mindfully that would be helpful well i have i have what in a way seems like a silly response but maybe helpful um democracy is a messy business and Sometimes, and I think this might be one of those times, is one of those times, when the choice is well, I believe the choice is between tyr tyranny and the end of the experiment and holding one's nose and voting for someone who is imperfect. That if Donald Trump is elected again, the Supreme Court will be completely one-sided and the attack on the institutions of democracy will continue unabated. And to vote for the other side is to stop that, I think. You know, and, and 
that's often the case in voting. This person is imperfect and I've struggled with it because I'm such an idealist. Um, but that's how, you know, it, it's this gesture. It's like, oh God, I can do it. And you fill out your ballot and send it in. And, and you know, I, I, yeah, I agree. Uh, I guess the part is how do I go out and support this guy with any kind of enthusiasm, any, any, any uh, ability to convince or encourage other people to do that. Hmm. Well, being, uh, just acting. Yeah. Well, you could say, you could say what you said here, which is I'm really ambivalent about it, but the choice isn't real. I mean, th there is no yeah. choice for me. So uh, please join me in, you know, and, and also to just be as loving as you can of yourself and your own ambivalence. And there's so much we can learn from that. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Here comes the rain again. Good morning, Sangha, Jessica. Hello, Miss Jessica. Hi there. Just a quick thought because um, I understand very much where John's coming from. And it just, it just dawned on me. What I want to do then is really write to the candidate, write to others and say, we're going to support you, but guess what? We know this is a problem, and we hope that your heart and your mind have been changed as you can see the results of earlier actions. Mm. I thank you for your comment because it spurred me now to think I can write very clearly on some of those very issues that trouble me about this upcoming election. And I'm, I'm really grateful because I feel like, whoo, I've got a little zip in my line now. I'm ready to write. I'm ready to start reaching out to that campaign, to some of the people that might be working in that new administration. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's a way that I will talk to my sons and others who are kind of on the fence going, eh, is to say, write then. Write, 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 and let them know what you need. So thank you. I'm really grateful for that comment. Robert? I hear a voice. That's KB. Oh, you can't see me? Let me fix Not that. Not yet. You're on your iPhone. Can't see. There, there you are. KB, hello. Hi, I, I joined Zoom. Um, Robert, I am, uh, gee, let's see. You know me pretty well. I'm pretty much um, in a straight jacket of anger most of the time. I'm angry at the people who are complaining. I'm angry at the people who are trying to do something. I'm angry at everybody because I find myself stuck like a pinball in a pinball machine. Um, uh, you know, as long as there are people, Robert, these problems will exist, be it racism, be it hate, be it environmental destruction. And so I cannot find a place to land like a butterfly in a rainstorm. I cannot find a place to land where I can actually feel okay because I keep circling and circling and I, I have no, there's, I can't, don't have a place to land. And I, I don't know what to do about it. Does that make sense, Mike? Oh, sure it does. Okay. Do you, you remember sitting together at Mountain Waters. Yes. 
when all these restless, agitated, aversion storms stopped. And, and when you sat in simple presence and love, I think, I think that's, that's what I aspire to always have access to. And then to be as active as one can be, but also to, to, to take enough time and have enough devotion to the practice to, to drop into that place. And, and it's, if we go far enough in that place, there isn't a problem. Everything is okay. Because it's all, it's all impersonal. It's the world unfolding. And, and that's, I was speaking about that in the meditation today, how I can get yes. up in my mind and then it's, it's uh, but then how to, how to drop out of mind into the present moment. Like here, right now, sitting in my tent, beautifully with you in front of me. It's nice to see you. Um, this world is okay right here. And, I, and when I inhabit just this, like my, my teacher in India, Bhikkhu Rastrapal, <laughs> I don't know whether it was about me or whether he's talking about his, his own practice, but he said many times, Robert, when I go into meditation, I don't think of you. <laughs> I don't think of anyone. And so I believe, I'm really strong. I mean, that's my shtick, which is let's practice enough. Maybe it's time for a several day retreat for you. To find, to find your, your base again, to find your deep core of being at ease. Um, I've been thinking that for myself. I need more, more time withdrawn, and I'm going to do some more of that. And I want to thank you again. Yesterday, when I was going grocery shopping, I dutifully put on my really beautiful and comfortable mask that you made. And I felt very well protected and loved as I wore my very colorful, my rooster mask <laughs> <laughs> into, the, um, into the store. Great. How many masks have you guys made, all told? About 175. Wow. And, and they're really um, good. Well over half of those were donated to medical professionals, paid for by, by other people and, and made by us and donated to medical professionals. Yay. Very fine work. Thank you. Thank you. Robert. It's Pamela. Hello, Miss Pamela. Hi. When you mentioned that um, idea of a retreat, I just, um, I am on retreat right now and have, <clears throat> am staying in a house up in the woods behind. Oh, yeah. West of Corvallis for at least a week, taking care of a very friendly cat. That's all my duties is to feed the cat. And otherwise, I'm just alone here in the woods. And I am finding myself, I am finding myself, and I'm finding myself quieter and quieter. Mm -hmm. And um, it is absolutely... I recommend it to everyone. It's really, at, at the right time, it is a fabulous. It is really constructive. So send us your address and we'll come join you. 
<laughs> Not on your life. <laughs> That's very selfish of you. It is. <laughs> Come and have a giant noisy party and your friend will wonder what happened to their house. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Thanks, Pamela. I'm glad you have that experience. It's fabulous. Joan is asking, how can we get the masks that Robert referred to and is the process, in the process support the work this Sangha member is doing? Can you respond to that in the chat, um, KB? I hope. Sure will. Thanks. They're very stylish. <laughs> huh. Oh, look. Look who's here. Hi. Hi, Sangha. How Hi. beautiful. You come as a pair. That's right. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. We're actually linked. You can't see it. Okay. <laughs> it's a rather long tether, but you know. Uh -huh. um, something that comes to mind around um, politicians and choosing one and, and uh, trying to figure out a way to get them to work for us in what we desire. I was told upon a time um, that politicians more, they're always looking for a parade and they want to be the front of the parade and parades are full of people. So the more we can create an action and a movement, people, you're guaranteed to have some politician try to jump at the front. So the more we can create a movement that is that to our like, it's like catching squirrels, you use peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> Not too unlike. Is, you know, it's a popularity contest. 90% of what politicians say is what they think will get them elected. So there's a base that they create. So there's something to start with. And then everything else is trying to seem like they're everyone's best friend or the most effective choice. Mm -hmm. The more they know what we want as a collective, the more they'll do whatever the hell we say. Mm -hmm. Thank you. KB has placed her texting number on the chat. So if you want to avail yourself of those extraordinary masks, please do. Hi, Robert. It's Karen. Hello, Karen. Hi, Robert. Karen from the Zen house on the side of the lake. Yes, I'm at Zen house and I try to be Zen as much as possible. I, I don't succeed a lot of the time, but I try. Mm -hmm. But I want to, I want to address the political, like the politician issue. And you know, I think it's imperative that we get rid of Trump. I mean, that is so important. And we need to vote for Biden. I understand the hesitancy. I mean, I keep thinking back to the Anita Hill hearings in the 90s and how offensive that was to me. Um, but Biden is going to be choosing the first woman president, I'm hoping. Okay, we need to bear that in mind. And also, I think that he's going to listen to the progressive wing of the party because I think that he knows that he needs that support to win. So I'm saying 
vote for Biden, don't vote for a third party. We've got to get rid of Trump because our country can't handle more division. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Kendall, for letting me know that the stream was down. I don't know why, but I got it to be back up again, so thanks. Please let me know when that happens, if you will. Robert? Cricket. Cr cricket again. I just wanted to make a, a technical comment. Several things have been put in the chat that people may want to be able to deal with later. Uh -huh. And in, if people don't realize it, they can actually save that chat onto their computer. All they need to do is bring up chat and then go to the bottom. And if they click on the right-hand side at the bottom, two little dots come up and it says save chat and it will actually save it to your computer so that you can write down those numbers or those websites or whatever at a later time. Now that's brilliant, thank you. Good sleuthing. <laughs> the chat says, wow, go cricket. <laughs> cricket has at the bottom of her email something that says something like, if you're not dancing, it's a waste of feet which is very fitting. Anybody else? We have another seven minutes in our broadcast time, in our community time. Hey, Robert, this is Vic. Hello, Vic. Hi there. I found that, um, Hoping for the perfect person that we can believe in and get behind can be a pretty difficult task. Um, it's almost like we need to, we're waiting for a Jesus to die for our sins. <laughs> uh, I spoke about a modern day Gandhi, but the modern day nonviolence movement and I found that for some of my Indian friends that was actually a divisive comment and huh. rather, so. um, there are some people who believe in the right-wing Hindutva movement in India today oh yeah and who believe that Gandhi was a traitor and gave up Pakistan, which was India's birthright. Ah. And so I think it's going to be very hard to find your perfect candidate and a perfect person who can be our moral compass, who can be somebody who lead us out of this. I think there's a lot of work we have to do on our own while we work with imperfect people 
at the head of these administrations. Huh. So just wanted to leave with that. You know, when you say it, I'm not surprised that some modern Indians, Hindus, believe in Gandhi as a traitor. I'm sad that that's the case, but why wouldn't that be the case? Given human nature and the nature of religious bigotry. Wow. Robert, this is Tiffany. Tiffany. Hello. Um, Vic, just, um, yeah, what, what you shared kind of about the, you know, waiting for the politician. It's like, I feel like uh, in a way, there's this feeling of like, we're waiting for someone to come save us, you know? And, um, and I'm, I'm, it's come to mind this concept that the next incarnation uh, it, of the Buddha um, is to be a group, right? And so the thing that can unite us is consciousness. We're not going to always agree on all of the details, but if we're all conscious, then we know we can be respectful and give space for everyone to be. And I think that that is mm. a primary motivator for me right now. Mm. Do my part of that. I think you should be part of our social justice uh, <laughs> initiative, <laughs> Tiffany. I think that's, I think you have just what it takes for that. She'll consider. Yeah, I'll think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, is there anyone else who has something you'd like to share or something that would like to share itself through you? This is Martha. I Martha, just hi. 
I'm just really moved by the attention and wisdom that's coming out of this group today. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, I, I uh, made the humor of it, but Tiffany, um, that that reference that if we're meeting in consciousness, if we're if we're if we're mindful enough to know that our thoughts are thoughts and our beliefs are beliefs, then we can actually meet one another and not be caught in our reactivity. Or if we are caught in our reactivity, we can then own it and realize, oh, wait a minute. Um, yeah. I remember a long time ago, 15, 20 years, as I was struggling to emerge from the trance of my family of origin, uh, I, I would on occasion have have conversations with one of my sisters and I would watch as this person, this one, would take would defend positions he didn't really believe in. But there was, there was a fight to be had or a conflict to be had. And it was so helpful to be able to, to, to be, be emerging into consciousness and realizing, what am I doing? I don't even believe that. And yet the old habit took over and, and so that's one of the reasons I think the Dharma, our, the deepening of our Dharma practice is so important for any activism that we do. Because it's so easy to fall into polarities. The cops are all bad or the protesters are all bad or black people are this or white people are that. It's so easy in the heat of a group to fall into it. And to, but but to, to extract ourselves and realize, wait a minute, this is all samsara unfolding. <laughs> Can I add one thing? This is Allison. Hello, Allison. Good morning. Um, I was just listening to Condoleezza Rice, and she said that uh, our our nation was born with a defect, a, a birth defect. Ha. And it's it's slavery. And fast forward, of course, to today. I mean, that started this attitude of supremacy. And so fast forward today, she said, it's important, and she was talking about our leader, but it's for everybody. It's important for us to have conversations that are not judgmental, but conversation with each other, all races together, but conversations that are deep. And that, and that deepness, when you said that, that collective consciousness in deepening our practice, that's what's going to help me is to um, have that consciousness and not judge, but just be and be with that and do that with other people. Yeah. Thank you. Amen, sister. <laughs> Well, is there anything percolating hot that would like to be said? Please speak it now, if there is. Yeah. 
I have one quick uh, addition, Robert. This is Bryce again. Um, about uh, divisiveness and and um, polarity and falling into camps and so on. When we are looking for information and we're looking to connect to the people that are speaking on mass or in small groups, uh, an important thing a friend of mine pointed out is to be suspect of anyone who's speaking without empathy because mm. there is an agenda and they are Boy. actually seeking to polarize on either side of the aisle. Yep. And so if someone is speaking without understanding and without without compassion toward all, there is mm. something afoot. Mm. That is wise. Thank you. Well, let's end in a, a way we haven't before. Um, whoops, hang on, the wrong mouse. Pamela, Tiffany, will you, will you be announcing when the book study on me and white supremacy starts? We will be, and we'll be doing that this week. So an announcement will go out this week about the beginning. Thank you. There's so much happening, which is good. Let's just join our voices together in the great, the great dial tone of the universe, Om. And Om vibrates in the heart. We can feel it in the throat and we can also feel it at the crown. So let's do that for a minute. And I'm gonna open us up to all beings, voices being heard. Here we are, ready to go. Oh.
There's a request in the text from Roseanne. The letter I read. Do you mean the Clarissa Pincola Estes? Or the letter from the Teachers Council? That one. The second. The what? The, which? the second letter. Okay. That'll. We'll, the second letter. We're, we're still editing and so on, but it'll be out in the next, it'll probably be in tomorrow's digest. Well, it's, it's beautifully written and it gave me hope because it was able to put into words what I feel and to know that other people also feel this. Yes. Gives uh, great hope. Great. And I would like to give credit. It is, it is mostly from Doug Pullen. It was his way of putting it together. Beautiful, beautiful job. Yeah. Okay, thank you. And it will be out soon. All right, dear friends, let us offer one another a bow. Have a lovely afternoon, and may all beings share in the merits of our practice. Love you all. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. Be well. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Have a good day. Not Thank you. So long. Farewell. I'll be to then. Adieu to you. And you. And you. And you. And you. Dun, da, da, dun, 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 da, da, dun. <laughs> oh dear, it's madness over here in, in Beaverton. <laughs> Goodbye, dear friends on YouTube and Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. Stop. The Portland Insight Meditation Center is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and is funded entirely through donation. If you'd like to give, please visit portlandinsight.org and click the Donate Now button at the top right. Through your generosity, we can continue to offer these teachings, and we are so grateful for your support.